Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. NFL Week 3 edition of the Dream Preview. Showtime! Woo! Hi, Fez. You got the two Hiltons. And I got the New York Jets plus 22 and a half, RJ, a sky high spread. I got to tell you, this spread surprises me that it got this high. And the fact that I can get a 22 and a half point dog, and I made the game 20. And it's a little bit complicated, but on a neutral side, I have these two teams, New England Jets, 17 points apart. Add three for home field, and I get 20. But that's without having make, making any adjustment for the fourth quarter. Now, typically, when a team gets up by 15, and if you're with me, that's 20 points, that's five points per quarter. So I'm forecasting New England should be up 15 after three quarters. The fourth quarter tends to be much more of a pick'em game than New England beat laying five. So because of that, I would argue 20 was too high in this game to get 22 and a half with the Jets against the New England team that has not won. Not two, but three offensive linemen compromised. Two of them out. Wynn is out. Um, Andrews, their center, is out. And Cannon is injured. I think the Jets are an outstanding investment opportunity. I like the Jets. Yeah, I think you're right. This is probably my favorite pick. It's what I would have picked. I'm going to give something at the end of the show related to this game that I think is one of the better bets of the year, if not best bet of the year so far. But here's why I like the Jets so much. Belichick, and I tweeted this at RJ in Vegas, at RJ in Vegas on Twitter, which is going back 30 years, there's been five favorites, home or away, over three touchdowns. And New England were three of those teams? Three. And now if you go 20 or above, New England has four. So there's another one that... In those four, New England and Belichick, 0-4. Now, small sample, but significant. In fact, I bet the ATS margin are gigantic. I think that Baltimore is the fourth game. Remember, that was a three-pointer on Monday night when the line was 20, if I recall. And, you know, I know one of them was three against Philadelphia. So, yeah, let's look at that ATS margin. Maybe go 20 or above. And uh, just Pat's since 2000. Brad's pretty good at this. He's, he doesn't hunt and peck. So, one, Belichick doesn't tend to run it up when it's, like, so extreme. Now, you might say, well, RJ, what happened last week? I think it was a perfect storm. One, Miami had won five or six at home. Belichick likes to exercise, though. How do you, it's exorcist, exercise. I never say that word. Get rid of those demons in a religious sense. Okay. (laughs) The Exorcist is a good movie. Now, I think there's a second reason. Belichick hates nothing more than distraction. And I would say that the Antonio Brown stuff was potentially the biggest distraction since Deflategate for the Pats, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So what, how do you make a statement that this doesn't affect us? Outside world, you can try what you want is you dominate that week. You run it up. You have an impressive score. 
So I think it was a perfect storm for them to run it up like they did. Now, did you feel like in the second half they were purposely trying to gain margin or they just played the game? Patriots just played the game. They didn't just run the ball. They did throw it some. But bottom line is in the fourth quarter, there were two pick sixes for the Patriots. So that's how they got their two late touchdowns. And it was more about the Dolphins quitting. I hate to say quitting, but the receivers that dropped those passes for the Dolphins, RJ, they didn't even chase after the Patriot defender. They just put their hand over their helmet and, like, hung their head. That was a team with serious motivational issues. And we'll be getting to this other 20-plus point, uh, or in this case, over 21. So, ATS margin. Oh, and five ATS. There's actually two games. 120, the the Ravens game, and also a 20-and-a-half point spread against the Colts. Minus 13. Against the Col- oh, that year yeah. before. Minus 13 points per game, ATS. Whoa. That's not good. Well, it's good if you're batting against yeah. them. Now, here's the thing. I think when the Pats won so handily, at least on the score, they did, but scoreboard might have been a little worse, I think it decreases the chance of a blowout here massively because Belichick doesn't want a blowout. Because if you win two games in a row by 30... What's going to happen? Your team might get a little bit for themselves. Team, the, the, the media starts talking about best team since the undefeated team. You start seeing the undefeated props get discussed more than they are now. Mm-hmm. You think Belichick wants any of that, Steve? No. Okay. So to me, if the Pats had only won by 10 against Miami, I wouldn't play this game. I think that in a vacuum, it's a good pick. I think it becomes a really good pick because the Pats just won so handily as a big favor the week before. Makes a lot of sense. And we're going against a rule. We don't ever like to play against the Patriots, right? But you went ahead and broke this out by month. And if there was one month that we can bet against the Patriots, it's September, where they only cover, I think, 53%, yeah, right? Yeah, versus the 2 now, right? So, <laughs> so, they're little... so, they're, so they're they're due for a loss in September. <laughs> You're joking, right? Yeah. Now— Thankfully. Now, here's what I would say is I think that these humongous lines are almost like a college handicap, meaning it's about their desire to get. I mean, we always talk about desire to get margin when the line's eight and a half. Right. At 20 over, you know, at over 21, it really is about margin. Wouldn't you say, Fed? Yep. Yes. So it's very rare in the NFL to have a spread. I mean, like we said, there's been five in 30 years. Now, let's say 17, 18, 19, similar. Okay, how many of those are there? I did the work of 18 and over, uh, eighteen points and over last week. There was only 27 of them in 30 years. It's once a year kind of stuff, right? Now, the favorites cover in those, but not – it's kind of funny. 18 and over they cover, but not over 21. Oh, That's a, so little, a little, little corridor in yep. there, right? So – to me, I feel like Belichick has zero desire. And this is in – he doesn't – listen, my theory is he probably likes Adam Gase being the coach of the Jets, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not so sure, sure he yeah. wants to embarrass the Jets. I mean, that's a little conspiracy theory. But he certainly has no animus towards the Jets at this point other than a division rival. But you don't want to blow off the team when their third-string quarterback's in because then they get, you know, that motivates them for the next game. It makes a lot of sense. And let's talk about the motivation for New England in weeks one and two. So they had the revenge game against Pittsburgh. They annihilated Pittsburgh. Well, they had a lot of um, reasons to want to ahead and make a statement 
off of the loss last year against Pittsburgh and, frankly, one of their challengers at the time in the AFC. And then, of course, going to South Beach where they lost so many games and the Miami Miracle. You nailed it, RJ. Lots of incentive to put that behind you. Where is the incentive to bury the Jets here with their third-string quarterback? I don't see it. Yeah, so to me, and I might as well say it now because we've done an extended handicap here. I think one of the best bets of the year is the Jets and under because what's going to happen is, in my opinion, Belichick, I wouldn't bet. I would have zero interest in betting the Jets team total over. Right. Would you? Zero. Because I'm not confident they're going to score very much. So, but if we're taking the Jets, that means it's almost what is it over 60%? Meaning if the Jets cover, what are the odds of the under? 63%. Well, then it, that's, I, that's much higher than I thought. Mm. I thought you were going to go 55.8. So to me, that means this is the great, that's probably the most correlated piece, second leg of a parlay I've ever seen. Absolutely. And this one's going to be difficult to get in, RJ. There's, how many NFL places don't let you get it in? I mean, most books don't even, or the square shops don't even realize you have, can have this kind of correlation in the NFL. The multiplier. Because you have such a big spread with a lower total. No, no, I understand that's yeah. how they do college. I, I mean, when's, I mean, when do they keep them off? I am going to run around town tonight mm-hmm. and attempt to do this in multiple books. Okay, so listen, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I like this. So, and I've already got some stuff. Uh, let's just, I won't get into exactly how, but the, uh, if you can put me down for two dimes. If, I mean, what kind of bets can you – I mean, it's all – we're going off the board, right? I'm going to stepladder. I'm going to go up and try different dollar amounts and see what they take, and, and mm-hmm. we'll see what we can get in. I might have to play 400, you know, yeah. two-teamers for at a bunch of different places. Let's spread it around. Exactly. <laughs> There's probably a gecko. Remember he was going uh, – he goes – 50,000 shares, blah, blah, blah. Go spread it around. You know, open a new account. Don't F it up. Yeah, keep it quiet. Use the offshores. (laughs) Don't screw it up. (laughs) All right, we got the Jets. Now, Brad, we're going to let you go second. All right. Now, by the way, guys, Super Contest. I told you we weren't going to do as well. Oh, wait, 60% so far. And Fez, you've been stinking it up, huh? One on one, terrible. Yeah, I, I, how many how many losers did I save us from from your card? <laughs> How's your season going I, I, with the with the the the, the um, all week access? Type, and that's the beauty of having the packages, guys. You get the early stuff, you get the late stuff, you get the stuff in between. How you doing? Yeah, right around sixty percent. Right around sixty. What are the odds? If I said Brad, I'll take under sixty, and you take over sixty, you want to do it? I'll, oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I was going to set some odds. What, what odds would oh, you take four say, to one? Ooh, four to one, I wouldn't take. I was going to say two or three to one. So you would take four to one? Yeah, I'll take four to one. All right, I'll bet you $10 to win four. Okay. What is it, Fess? I, I don't know the exact. Oh, you know the exact. You know the exact. No, I do not. You want to bet me? Yeah, I'll bet you I don't know it. <laughs> I'm not going to bet the sixty percent. Betting you don't know something you should know is a, is often a good. The fact, bet. if it was over sixty percent, it'd be so much more likely that I would know the exact to the decimal. You point. think, Brad? You, I mean, you're going to just smack your head here. Yeah. <laughs>
Okay, let's wrap up. The Jets, to me, they're kind of a non-issue here. They're just you know a generic bad NFL team with a third-string quarterback, but points. Yeah, so the point on the Jets is I liked what I saw from the Jets against Cleveland in terms of effort. When you're betting plus 22, you're betting effort of the dog as well as motivation for the favorite. And what did I see from the Jets after they got buried by Cleveland? I saw a team playing hard, running hard. I saw Bell breaking tackles, hurtling people. And bottom line is the Jets probably should have gotten a touchdown against Cleveland in the fourth quarter. They turned the ball over. They were unlucky making that blowout loss to Cleveland look a little worse than it really was. Well, I mean, Colin was making a big point. If they pick up that first down, <laughs> see right there in the third quarter, then it's then they can make a field goal then, even though it might be a long one. And then it's 16-6. to six, And guess what? Then it's a game. Oh, wow, that was bad. But even the defense at the very end when, when Baker was trying to run it up and throw to Odell Beckham, the Jets' defense showed heart mm. and got after him and sacked his ass. Who was talking about Beckham getting fed the ball? You were. Mm-hmm. Six catches over yes. and a hundred and. 160 yards, Brad? Yep. That's what we're going to see with Kitchens is we're going to see he's trying to make the players happy because he is a rare NFL coach. This is like the NBA in a way. The players are bigger than the coach. Yep. If Mayfield and OBJ wants Kitchens gone, you think he's staying? <laughs> no. I don't think so. I think with the Jets, and I listen to WFAN now and again, you know, at least once a week, usually YouTube, a clip. They hate gays. Oofa, they hate them. So, to me, I if they get beat by 30, he's going to catch a firestorm back in NYC. So, I think the motivation there is to stop all the jibber-jabber about how bad they are, too. Speaking of gays, I got a real short sound clip. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Colin Cowherd and I were on his podcast and discussing Gates or Gase, and I have a uh, very different take than Colin. Let's listen real quick. Adam Gase had a winning record in Miami when Ryan Tannehill was healthy, beat Belichick twice. I think Gase is one of those guys. Belichick and Pete Carroll got fired. Gase is a good coach who just could not overcome quarterback injuries. One, when Belichick got fired by the Browns, it was like, what, five years of going back and rethinking what he did under Parcells again in this case. To me, it's rare to see a guy fired for cause, you know, for underperformance, and then hired the same year. And I really believe, guys, that this idea that Gase maybe is underrated, maybe, but how often... Can you even recollect the time that a coach gets fired for cause, underperformance, and he has he doesn't miss a game? Literally the next NFL game, he's coaching. How often does that happen? Not very often. I mean, can we recall one? I'm trying to think if John Fox did after Carolina fired him. Maybe. And usually only after a long tenure yeah. where it's not a matter of him being competent, but more that it just isn't a good fit anymore. Yeah, yeah, or not even that. Yeah, the good fit being they need to change the scene or whatever. Yeah. So I agree with you there. That's a good point. And that Fox is a good pull. We'll see. Uh, we'll pull it up in a second. But to me, what has Gase done? Now, at this point, there's been 50 games that Gase is coaching the NFL, 25 of them, his. Starting quarterback was out. Now, there's two ways to look at it. One is, oh, wow, how good would he be if Tannehill had played, et cetera. And the other way to look at it is there's something about his offense that exposes the quarterback. You know, 
some of these modern Prince of Wood offenses don't protect the quarterback enough. That's why a lot of the college game stuff hasn't gone to the NFL because it just takes one hit with a 320-pound guy that runs 4-6 versus in college you don't have those guys. The quarterbacks are faster. I think he's just been unlucky, though, because Gase's whole offense— Do you really know? Yeah, because Gase's whole offense is dink and dunk and get rid of the ball quick and short passes. It's not trying to throw throw the ball down the field and and having the quarterback require a whole lot of time in the pocket. Well, I mean— Listen, I am not an X's and O's guy, and I don't think you are either, are you, Fez? I'm not, but I've certainly read that about you know Gase and his and his offensive schemes. And it's just this coincidence that they're hurt all the time. I mean, does is there one thing he's doing with the tight end where he gets him out in pass mm-hmm. coverage? I mean, I don't know, right? I just know 25 out of 50 games, you can't be sure it's not him, right? So I think there's something to say there. I'm not a big fan of Gase. New York media is not a big fan of Gase. Okay. Next game, it's going to be Brad Power's best bet, baby. Green buttons ready. Let's see what happens. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Houston here, plus the three against the Chargers on the road here for the Texans. And whole handicap for me, I'm piggybacking off. No surprise here, Fest, piggybacking off of what you were describing the Chargers last week. All the injuries on both sides of the ball for the Chargers. Now, there wasn't any cluster injuries or whatsoever when it came to the Chargers last week. There are some this week. I'm even going to go a step further. Of all the injuries that the Chargers had uh, last week, you know, Hunter Henry, you know, uh, tackle's been out here for a while for them, secondary issues. I would say the one that creeped up most on them, replacement kicker wasn't so good misses two field goals for the Chargers and now we got a Houston team coming off a lackadaisical effort uh, against uh, the Jags last week and I'll say this in a close game the spread said it's going to be close Houston seems like every single week even going back to last year is playing in close games they've had some success they've had some losses but if there's one guy I don't want to be making decisions in a close game. We mentioned this last year. It's Anthony Lynn, the L.A. Chargers coach. So I expect Houston to go in there, take care of business against a banged-up Chargers team. I like and I bet Houston plus the three. Yeah, selective memory on some Anthony Lynn games. Remember that game in London when they were up seven? I think it was against the Titans. They won by one, and he almost gave it away and certainly did give away the game at home against the Broncos with some uh, questionable late-game play calling and the like. And you nailed it in terms of you've got all these injuries, and we said, boy, this is going to be a huge distraction for the coaching staff trying to adjust for all these different injuries. But the good news is, hey, they're all in different places you know, on the field, so they don't have to worry about the cluster injuries. Well, now, obviously, Derwin James, arguably their best defender, out for the year. No problem. We got a deep secondary. Yep. We'll be fine. And now we got three other guys hurt in the secondary, including their pro bowler, Phillips, at safety. Now it's a huge problem. And I got to wonder that um, you got with a, a Charger team that had that tough game against Detroit that could have gone either way. And I will make the case also, everyone's like, well, Austin Eckler, he's every bit as good as Melvin Gordon. And you know what? The production numbers absolutely have shown that. But Austin Eckler tends to fumble. And he went ahead and fumbled on the goal line, costing the Chargers a touchdown this past week. And that certainly is an issue yep. versus Melvin Gordon. Um, their defense is not going to be good with all of these injuries. And Home field advantage is not three for the Chargers in L.A. We've got to go ahead and take the uh, points in this game. I agree. Yeah, and and one more thing I'm going to add on, and this is actually a little bit of a concern I have, and and not necessarily for this game uh, for Houston, but moving forward, that Houston Texans offensive line, I mean, this is incredible. I, I don't think I've ever read this before. 
Last week, so Watson was sacked six times in the opener. Last week, got sacked four times. Going back to last season, Deshaun Watson has been sacked at least four times in every game for eight straight games. I'm not as concerned about this week, but the compounding interest of that moving forward game after game, oof. I don't think that's a good look for Houston come October, come November, Fez. So you're telling me you're betting against the Chargers here. You're not betting on Houston and their new addition, Larry Tunsil, who already gave up two sacks in his first game. <laughs> good call, Fez. Houston, best bet. My first one for this 2019 NFL season, Houston, plus three. All right, third best bet for me. Let's keep this one simple because it's a simple handicap, but I really like this game. Well, not quite, (laughs) but I think they might cover the six and a half. They're going to the counter in the window. (laughs) We're going to the counter. Here's the rationale. It's simple. One of my basic premises, precepts, is that the teams tell you what they really think often with their actions. And that they know more than us about their team. They probably know more. In fact, they almost certainly know more football than us. Professionals at football, not betting football. What did the Steelers teach us this week? They're not, they don't think their first round pick is going to be all that valuable. If I would have said the day Big Ben was announced out for the season, Fez, on Monday, Over under Steelers wins. Four and a half. Four and a half gets you what? The fourth pick in the draft? Fifth pick in the (laughs) draft? Sure. They just traded the fifth pick, fourth pick in the draft for a cornerback? That isn't one of the, I mean, from what I'm not judging cornerbacks, but from what I gather, he's not one of the six or eight best in football. Oh, nowhere close. Where would you think he is? More like 30. So you're saying this guy's a... Almost a number two corner. Yes. Then why would the Steelers give up a number one pick for him? I mean, that just makes mm. no sense. Even if the Steelers go eight and eight, they wouldn't give up the 15th or 16th pick. They must think he's better than right, that. Right, right. Is your numbers coming from Pro Football Focus? You know, I had. I don't have it in front of me. But you I know, I know, they were, they, I know he wasn't that high. Okay. I don't have the exact number. You might want to stay on mic if you're going to talk. So, but no, it doesn't matter if it's 28 or 35. It's the same concept, right? He's not elite. Pro Football Focus has him as the 78th best um, guy, which seems crazy. But again, I think what we're seeing with Pro Football Focus. That was everyone in the secondary. Yeah, that was all secondary players yeah. to be, yes. Still, to be the yeah. um, the third man in a second. There's only four people yeah, in the secondary, sure. right? I mean, I guess. Two safeties, two yeah. cornerbacks. Is that right, Fess? I appreciate that. You know, you learn something. That, should I give him in dreams? <laughs> <laughs> Highs and lows. <laughs> but can we dispute this? That the Steelers have to have real optimism. I don't think we can. I don't think we we can. And also the fact that the Steelers, I think they thought highly of their third-string quarterback, Dobbs, right? How do you know? Well, he played well in preseason. So you're saying you thought highly. I thought highly of, yeah, I thought highly mm-hmm, of Dobbs. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers were willing to trade him, which means they – Probably have a lot of confidence in Rudolph. There's a difference between trade. I mean, think about the amount of confidence you have to have to say amongst two players that, in theory, 
being backups in Young that will never be in a, 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 even a top half of the league starter? What's the odds that one, any one of them, I'm not saying both combined, but any one of them being before any new information this week, being a top uh, 16 NFL starter at quarterback. I mean, at least five to one against, right? Seven yeah, to one against. Going fifteen percent, right? Yeah. So to me, that decision was a modest decision. Mm-hmm. It might have just been youth, and you know, because in a weird way, if they were even, and and Randall or Rudolph is what uh, two years in? Yeah, two years in. Just the contract is going to make uh, you do yeah. that, right? I think this decision is twenty times bigger. They are effectively saying we are trading a pick. Right? If there's any time the Steelers, they, I've never seen them trade a number one pick. I've been following the draft closely since Big Ben got drafted. You're, they've never traded a number one pick. In fact, they've only traded up like three times this century. And you know, this year was one. You know, this yeah, prior year was one. Devin Bush. Yeah. They traded up for San Antonio Holmes. And they traded up one other time. I can't remember. I don't think it was Troy, but it was one other time. That's it. So the 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 brain trust with the Steelers, you're essentially saying, is saying, you know what? This is only going to be like a sick number 16 pick. It's fine. We expect we're going to win about half our games. And it says something else. And it kind of is correlated. It's saying we don't need to draft Big Ben's replacement. We got him. Mm. Mm. That's strong. That's a great point. Because if yeah. otherwise... It's kind of one and the same. If you think Randolph is really good, you got Rudolph. Big Ben's root. I keep saying Randolph. Yeah. Uh, Big Ben's replacement. Uh, so to say that one more time is like the red nosed reindeer. Yep. yep. Well, that's easy enough. Yes. <laughs> I wish I had that sound drop. <laughs> that's a great song. Yep. And the other kids. Uh, how's that go? <laughs> Even if it say it blows. Yeah. And all of the yeah, other reindeer, reindeer used to laugh and call, call him names. Finish the fest. They never let poor Rudolph <laughs> play in any reindeer games. <laughs> oh, my God. That tastes worth $1,000. That is. Mark it. And remember, sleep now that we're recording the tip. <laughs> that is amazing. That was great. One of our best moments in ah! <laughs> uh, uh, Do we have the video rolling just out wide? <laughs> I think they're saying we're confident this year is effectively saying we're confident we got Big Ben's replacement. Because if as a rookie, he's going to lead a, a demoralized team, a team that's own, or as a first-time starter, going to lead a demoralized team that's used to winning. Right? That's tough on teams that aren't used to Baltimore's had some bad year. As good as Harbaugh is, when you're used to winning, once you're eliminated from that playoffs, what do you do? Teams don't tend to play hard no, at that point. Right? Just like when Alabama gets in, you know, a non-championship game. Yep. Right? That's a great has, example, as right. opposed to the team that's like, hey, we're excited to go to this horrible bowl. They lost to Utah in a bowl game. Lost to Oklahoma as a two-touchdown favorite in a bowl game. And I think the Steelers could do that, too, in certain spots. And the Steelers are adding the whole thing up and saying, we will trade our number one pick. The, well, you know, your over and under would have been what? Like the four, four and a half, uh, pick number four and a half? Yeah, because they're going to win four and a half games. So and, if, if, if anything, even higher than four and a half, maybe three. You know, how many teams are going to lose, you know, more than uh, 12 games? And to trade that pick, 
when they could have taken – I mean, there's supposed to be five or so quarterbacks yeah. in this draft, right, first round? Yeah, Tua, Justin Herbert. There's, it's going to be a pretty good class, better than last year's class. And they must really like this dude, right? And the market's moved, right? But, I mean, meaning it opened at seven. Seven was widely available. Yeah, right? widely available, painted seven. San Francisco favored, now line six and a half across the board. All the sevens are gone. I've got one more thought on this, but I want to go around the horn here on any other thoughts on the game and specifically what I just talked about, any other thoughts. Uh, Brad, let's start with you. I just like the fact that you have, you know, we talk about historical baselines a lot, and you have one team in the Pittsburgh Steelers that's sitting at 0-2 for the first time in six years. And then you have another team, the San Francisco 49ers, sitting at 2-0 and for the first time in seven years. I, if you, I'm never going to blindly play on that, but I got to think that's positive playing on the 0-2 team in that situation when they're typically not in it. Fast. And I think the San Francisco 49ers are in a tricky bad spot this week. I talked about how I liked the fact that they went to Youngstown, Ohio. I thought that would be positive bonding together. So they've been away from home for nine days, and they've just kicked two opponents' butts on the scoreboard. So they're coming back home to San Francisco at 2-0. and I could just see the coaching staff saying, you know, great job all around, game balls for all of you. Go ahead and take the day off, and we're going to hit it hard tomorrow. And it just not having quite the sense of urgency then – other situations because they've been away for nine days. You know what's funny with Fez? He's, he's, in his hypotheticals, there's always days off. You ever notice that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's always like he can close his eyes and you know have a sp- maybe pay his boy Johnny to spray him with a bottle and act like he's in Waikiki. Yep. Now, Fez, or the rest of the island. D- lifestyle question: Waikiki or the rest of the island? Waikiki. Why? Dinner at Wolfgang's and just walk along the uh, main drag there. No better place to be. How much more affluent is it than the rest of the island? Got to be by 200%. And that's where you like being. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) No no sense, though, that, you know, you should be amongst the people. No, I want to be a Waikiki. (laughs) I am Elma J. Foot, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. (laughs) Half of the people love him, half the people hate him, but the haters still follow him. Yep. That's what we know. Steve Fezzik. Last thing on this game. Admittingly, I've been a Mike Tomlin. I've been ambivalent at best. At best. <laughs> True. Check this out. Now, we're going to give his whole career, but first let's split it out. From 2007, his first year, Tomlin, to 2012, his seventh when entering the game with a losing record. So if they're 0-1, losing record. 1-2. and 7-8. and eight. All right. Tomlin was 7-0 and oh straight up. It's 100%. Literally, he didn't lose his first game with a losing record till his seventh season. Wow. That is a wow. For his, now, during that time, the, the 0-7-12, though, the rest of the league was 40% when entering the game with a losing record. That's straight up. Now, Tomlin, for his whole career, 27 times entered the game with a losing record, won over 70%. The rest of the league during that span had 80 games on average each team entering the game with a losing record. So about three times as many as the Steelers. And they only hit 41%. 70% versus 41. 
Tomlin's raw, raw crap that I think it sometimes is works when the Steelers are losing. The Steelers are, this is the most difficult game. This is the low point of the Steelers during the Tomlin era, right? Is there any debate? Can't be. Having Big Ben. Yep. So if these numbers are true, and you know, this is what Tomlin lives for because the raw, raw works. So I think Steelers are motivated. I think they they told us something about Randolph Rudolph, and I feel confident that that, that you're going to get a good effort. And there was a chance before they traded this pick that I thought they might give up on the season, get the second pick, and who knows, you know, pick the next Big Ben, and we got another, you know, Andrew Luck style. This could have been like an Andrew Luck situation. And if turn it around if Pittsburgh had traded one of their corners for a draft pick you'd feel totally different about this game right good point all right so best bet Fez let's go over it best bet on the New York Jets plus 22 and a half best bet Houston plus three best bet me Steelers with Rudolph plus six and a half all right Brad congrats you're you now listen you were behind the curtain for one game yeah let's not go crazy All right, we're going to aggressively handicap the rest of this card. Coming up, we're going to go aggressively with vigor through the rest of the games. Eagles, Lions, right now, Eagles, six and a half. Fez, you lean Lions. I do lean Lions, and it's all about the injuries to Philadelphia. Now, on the injury report, a lot of these injuries are being shown. Jeffrey Doubtful, Deshaun Jackson, another wide receiver, out. What's not showing up is how banged up the Eagles got. If you watched their game against Atlanta, you saw Wentz get a shot to the ribs. He was out for a series. He's back. Apparently, he's fine. He didn't look 100% to me after that hit. Same with his tight end, Ertz. Came back in the game after being injured. Was out for a while against Atlanta. The backup tight end, Goddard, is injured. So the Eagles' offensive skill-making players including Clement, Corey Clement, all are banged up or out for this game seemingly. I think it's too much to overcome. And frankly, RJ, I did not like what I saw from the Eagles secondary. We saw Matt Ryan miss three, not one, not two, but three wide-open bombs that all would have been touchdowns. So I think that the Eagles' secondary is very suspect. I'm very worried about the Eagles right now. I'm going to go ahead and lean to Detroit. So Mike Lombardi, friend of the show, made a good point this week on his pod, which was, is it Schwartz that's the... Eagle? Jeff Schwartz, yep. yeah. Yes. He, the, the basis of his defense is pressure from the front. and Jim Schwartz. Okay. And he, Schwartz, you got to, in the salary cap era, you can't have everything be great. You can get lucky with draft choices. For the most part, where are you spending your money? And... We had a interview with Sonny Dykes that we're going to have uh, the whole thing. We're playing it on FSR uh, this week or next week. I'll, I'll see. But next college football pod, we are going to have the whole thing at the end. He made an interesting point. Alabama and Clemson, there's only a handful of these 6'6", 330-pound left tackles. The SMUs are never getting that guy. They might get a guy who's six six, but it's like you know he's like can hardly walk. Yeah. <laughs> but if and somehow if they can convert him, yeah. he becomes athletic. There you go. In the NFL, the D linemen, they're physical specimen. You know, it's hard to tell what's a good uh, cornerback. 
right? I mean, if you think about the hit rate on certain positions in the draft, the second the hit rate hit rate on D lineman's really high because it's such a physical. The performance is so tied to the physical skills. Where in the secondary, there's guys that are four three that bomb all the time. Yep. Technique all, is so much more important than raw talent and and instincts. You know, you can make the case and technique. So the Eagles, I think, rightfully spent a lot of money on their D-line. And they lost the guy, their biggest signing of the offseason. And right now with uh, Malik Jackson on the IR, I mean, if you go read, and I just happen to, I don't always get a chance to, the Philadelphia papers and columnists around him going on the IR, it was the biggest story because this was their big signing. And they do have some depth there, and it's a situation. I don't think the Eagles' D line is below average. I just think they've gone from, you know, potentially world class coming into the season, and they haven't been playing that way, which exposes the secondary. So I think Philly. Uh, maybe can put up points, but I think that defense is the problem. Yeah, and bottom line against Atlanta, they had to go ahead and dial up all-out blitzes because the D-line was not getting the pressure on Atlanta. Yeah, and you mentioned Matt Ryan getting 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. How about giving up 380 yards and three touchdowns to Case Keenum in week one? 700 yards and six touchdowns in just two weeks, which already was their weakness on last year's team, the secondary. Well, that's hard to. That's the thing. Like, it's hard to t- make a weakness a strength. The best yeah. you can do is make a weakness average most of the time. Yeah, they're certainly not average. So let me ask you this, Fez: If I was doing a handicap on this and I wanted to like make the case for the lines, I would say you've got a team in which Carson Wentz is the crown jewel of the team, but the reality is Nick Foles led him to a Super Bowl. At least a couple years ago, this team was as talented as any roster in the NFL. Feds, you went on Colin Cowherd that year and predicted the Eagles to make the Super Bowl. Their over-under wins were what, eight and a half or maybe eight and a half? Yeah, eight and a half. That's a hell of a prediction. So the depth of the Eagles, the talent across the board is strong. But now you got the D-lineman out. D-line's not playing great. You got the weakness of the secondary. How do you make up for it? Offense, except Wentz banged up, maybe, maybe not. Let's say that's possible. But the not the skill makers, but the playmakers all banged up. How isn't this one of your biggest bets of the year? Because I don't like what I saw from the Detroit Lions. They got that banged up so somehow, squad. Well, hold on a second. This will drive me back. I will If I ever have a heart attack as I'm going down, I'm going to think about this kind of conversation. What was the line in that game? Pick them. Close pick them. We're talking about the Chargers and the Lions. Yep. And who won? Lions won by three. All right. So they exceeded expectations. On the scoreboard, they did. Okay. So how isn't the scoreboard what matters? Because I watched the whole game, and I don't want to pull a Fezzik here, but the Chargers absolutely imploded. They had two touchdowns called back for penalties. They had a running back. Isn't that what the Chargers do? Yep, pretty and much. Was, two I, missed not, two field goals. And that was built into the line, Austin Eckler fumbled. Are you going to ignore that point? Meaning the line with the Chargers assumed the Chargers were going to make their, their, their typical errors, right? Well, they made more than their typical errors. Really? They, yeah, they exceeded expectations and errors. They really gave the game away. 
So uh, worst case, let's give the Eagles, or I'm sorry, the Lions uh, minus seven, you know, giving the Chargers seven. So the Chargers win and cover, but by a smidge. That's not liking what you saw. I mean, that's not liking what you saw by a smidge, but that's a half point, right? Would right. you do downgrade them a half point? I actually kept them because they won the game. I kept them where they're at. I have the so lines then I'm that, confused. You're I'm, saying that based on the performance you saw last week, you didn't downgrade them. They lied. I was. This con- is objectively. I was just con- a yes. Yes. I don't care what you were considering. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? You, you made a decision. It was no downgrade. Correct. Let's say if you could have downgraded a quarter, which isn't intuitive, so we don't do it, you would have done it. Yes. Now, Brad does the hundredth, but, <laughs> yeah. but, yes. but we, you know, yeah. so a quarter point adjustment. How much do you think the handicap of the weakness of the Eagles is still there? The D-backs, the D-line, which is supposed to compensate for that, probably isn't as good as we think. Wentz is banged up potentially, and otherwise the playmakers have cluster injuries. How much is that worth? It's probably worth three points. So three minus a quarter is 2.75. Why isn't it this bad? So I had the Eagles power rating at five going into the week. So if I lower the Eagles by three points, that's a massive adjustment for all these injuries. I would have the Eagles two points better than the average team. That would make the spread in this game five on a neutral and the game's in Philly. So what you're saying is, right now with the adjustments you made, and remember, power ratings account for the team that's planning to be on or expect to be on the field this week, so injuries are accounted for. What With the numbers you put out, what would the line be in this game? Eagles minus eight. Okay, so what you're saying is, this is, all, this is why power ratings are so important. Power ratings tell you relative, I'm sorry, Impressions like a lot of injuries, impressions like cluster, blah, 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 blah. D-line's not as good. Those are things that tell you a direction. The power ratings tell you once you calculate that direction, is there value? What you're saying is it's all accounted for in the line. But there's a lot of uncertainty in my Eagles power rating. I'm confident in my Detroit power rating. You, You would have to be off, though. By two points just to get the parity, right? Right, but I could well be with oh, all yeah, these yeah. injuries. No, but what I'm saying is that's not a great bet. Right. Like, that's what you got to understand. I'm trying to drill down to a specific question. If all we ever do, if all we ever do is talk from the widest perspective, we're never going to get anywhere. I was asking you why this wasn't a pick. You explained it. Now you're trying to somehow backtrack. I don't get it. You explained it. Did you get it? Yep. That's a success. Next game, Ravens, Chiefs. Chiefs, six and a half. I bet the public actually thinks this one might be high. Well, Mahomes got so much love. Fez, you actually like the total. Yeah, I like the total under here. And it's dropped from 55 to 53, and here's why. What's the Chiefs' weakness on defense? They can't stop the run. Baltimore should certainly be able to run the ball. So even if they have success, I expect that there's going to be some long drives for Baltimore, clock-consuming, and with a total of 55, frankly, RJ, I need both teams. That's a sky-high total. What's the current total? 53. So with a total of 53, I expect that I need both teams to be having shorter drives, scoring quickly. Now, obviously, Kansas City can do that on anyone, but I think Baltimore controlling the clock, 53 is just too high. Now, if you just look at the scores and add up Baltimore – 
divide by two. It feels like Baltimore's, uh, or at least that simple math says Baltimore's one of the higher score teams in the league. Well, 59 points, I'm sorry, 69 points against Miami and then only 40 last week. 23-17. No, I'm saying higher scoring teams. Oh, yes, yes, because of the Miami destruction, yes. So what you're saying is you're discounting that. Why? Because Miami's historically bad, Mm. and I feel that... you saw some give up on the field. Big time, yes. Okay, I agree with that. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. So now, my question is this. How much has the Ravens run, how much have they run this year? Less than they've done in the past. Okay, that's a good, I mean, if you could guess that 50-50, it's either less or more. How much have they They, run this year? They threw 20 times in their opening game against Miami. I don't have the box score for last week. So let's pour. I don't know how you can have a like on the total and not. I mean, the obvious question in this game is Baltimore hasn't been the team we've expected. I think I know. I have a a theory of why, but does not seem to be a. Brad, you know what you need to do for me, buddy? You need to step up and tell him when it doesn't make sense to you either because you're letting me just say it and say it. He respects your opinion. Does that make, I mean, does that seem like the first question? Yeah. What are they doing when it comes to, we mentioned they're going to run now. Well, they haven't been running in the first two games. Ah, the mispricing. And and that's the thing. Why Then if he, if that's what his bat hinges on, what makes him think that? And you, the case could be made. They ran more in Miami than you would expect because they did have such a big lead. Here's my concern. It feels like the Ravens are playing a different style ball than was expected. So, Fez, I'm sure you've got the numbers. What do the numbers tell us about the Ravens this year versus last year? So the Ravens have run the ball 55% of the time and thrown it 45% of the time so far this year. All right. So give us some context. So the the context of it is... Like 55-45, what does that mean? Oh, most of the NFL average is around 60% passing, 40% running. All right, so 60 passing... And the Ravens? 55. Okay, so that seems about the, about the same, right? They've, it's close, and especially if you would have asked. about 5%. 5%, but if you would have asked me before the year started, I would have said, oh, I think the Ravens are going to be more um, running. running than passing. Yes. So in, your, in one of the premises of your handicap is? That the Ravens are going to run the ball quite a bit. And so it I, seems like it needs addressed. Yes, because I believe that it's an obvious strategy early in the game, even though the Ravens are an underdog, that they're going to want to go ahead and exploit the Chiefs' bad rush defense. And I expect, and I'd be willing to bet, that the Ravens are going to run the ball close to 60% of the time, at least in the first half, provided where they, they won't have a deficit in the scoreboard. It's not provided, it's mm-hmm. assumed. Assuming, yes. So you'd go over under 59 and a half, or uh, 59? I'd go over 59. First half, rushes versus passes. Yes. All right. And rush, so you're saying 59% rushes. Yes. And what's been their year to date? 55. 55. And the league's year to date, or year, leagues in average, or typically is? Around 40 for rushing, 60 for passing. So for, the league's 40. Yes. Ravens this season have been 55. 
you're saying the Ravens in the first half are going to be 59% runs. Yes. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Beautiful. <laughs> you feeling good about your bet? I am. Brad, you want to jump in? I do, actually. Great handicap. Anything left on that game? Nope. Next game, Bengals, Bills. Bills 2-0, and starting on the road 2-0. and Brad, if you're able, can you look up? Uh, oh, you know, I can do it better, I think, uh, as you guys are chatting. Because they were two road games, right? Yeah, both in New York. I, yeah, but I, two road games. Who you got, Fess? I lean to the Bills. It's a little early, RJ, to just look at, start looking at statistics for teams. But if I go back to our go-to, our yards per play stat, <sighs> Bills certainly looking good, plus 1.3 yards per play differential. Bengals minus 1.4, so the differential's 2.7. That is a massive difference between two teams. The Bengals got destroyed by the 49ers, not only on the scoreboard, but... Yeah, but Fez, strength of schedule. I mean, the Bills just played the Jets and the and the Giants, and borderline Cincinnati just played two playoff teams. I know, but a really good team, you should have a yards per play, like maybe a skewing of like 0.7, not 1.3 in each direction. So it's such Fair an enough. extreme difference. And I still think the Bills being 2-0 and and being minus 1 in turnovers, typically when a team that's not supposed to be very good goes on the road two games and starts out 2-0, and a lot of things break right for them. And I can make the case that the Bills have just handily outplayed both of their uh, first two opponents. I lean with Cincinnati here, but not with a lot of confidence because I think there's actually a chance that Cincinnati's like a, a bottom three, four team in the league. But what still in my Are mind? You quoting me when we in prep? I mean, just to cover your 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 butt. <laughs> Jeez, go ahead. But what it's still in my mind? We only got two data sample sizes. Okay, a horrible one last week with Cincinnati, but I would argue a pretty good one in Week One on the road as a touchdown plus underdog. And in Steve Fezzik's words, Cincinnati very capable and could have easily won that game on the road against Seattle. So here's the key: Seattle looks good because of the Pittsburgh win. Except Pittsburgh, like I said, yeah. at least entering that game, the mindset they were in, all the things I was so down on them. I mean, we bet it. Yep. And I just really believe with Big Ben going out, that was a heart. You want to talk about a heartbreaker. So I'm not as much as I thought I was on the right side. I mean, it's a fair to say if Big Ben plays, who knows what happens, right? Could so, be a coin sure. flip. Yep. Yeah, or the, you know, could win cleanly. Yep. So I guess what I'm saying is, Seattle, what has Seattle done impressive? They barely won against a Bengals team that we have no idea about, but we know their other other data points. One of the worst data yep. points of the year. Mm-hmm. And now a Seattle team that goes into Pittsburgh and wins. So Cincinnati playing so well in Seattle looks good, except mitigating circumstances on that win. I haven't seen anything I'm impressed by Seattle. The only thing that looks decent about Cincinnati is how they played in Seattle. Fair enough. I think that's why I think they could be bad. Yep. Like bad, bad. 30. And remember, Cincinnati had their problems with the O-line. They had their number one draft pick got injured. They had another guy retire. And Cincinnati is averaging 1.8 yards per rush. They can't open up any holes. And the running back, Joe Mixon, did come back. But he, frankly, he did not look to be completely 100% as well. I do have a stat that blew my mind, RJ, on this one. Reading through the Bills stuff, I do read nine newspapers a day. <laughs> but 
Josh Allen, I would say I was very low on Josh Allen. Here's a guy that struggled to complete passes in the Mountain West, and they took him in the top 10 of the NFL draft. He's, I think he's definitely exceeded my expectations. He's now passed. This doesn't sound like much. For more than 200 yards in seven straight games. Doesn't sound like anything. 200 yards, seven straight games. Everyone should do that. Except Buffalo Bills quarterbacks. No Buffalo Bill quarterback has done that since Jim Kelly in 1992, a quarter century. That's how pathetic the quarterback play has been for the Bills. This is fascinating. In the last 30 years of the NFL, week three, prior game away, and week one away, and you win both of them, there's only been 13 instances in, in 30 years. Really? Yeah. I guess they don't double. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, so nothing to get there. But the, there's, there's what, three? It qualifies for like three teams this week? You, you won both years? Oh, that's fascinating. It does, Ravens and Steelers? Or I guess it's the flip side, Chiefs and 49ers. Yep. So the, and Bills. Yeah. Okay. Routine. Yeah. That's why I was looking up All the right. bills. Yep. So, no, no, but you're right. Yeah. Verifying the output. Yeah. So, the, I mean, since we got the right output this week, it's the query's right. Okay. Wow. What are the odds of that? Something happens 13 times in 30 years and it happens three times this mm-hmm. year. I guess we'll have something with that when we get to the patch. I had my case. I, you know, I don't want to bet the, I can't bet the Bengals. Bills feel like they're a little overrated here. And it opened four. What was the look ahead, Fez? Four and a half. Yeah. So this is up. At four, I play the Bills. Big. Yeah. Who, who opened it at four? I like to. I got to start taking the time to look at these look aheads. All right. Colts. Favored by two at home. They surprised me. I like Tennessee last week. Falcons on the road. Obviously, plus two. Fez, you like this one. Yeah, I like Atlanta. I'm going to go to our turnover table differential. I like when teams have minus turnovers, I tend to think they're undervalued, plus turnovers. So we're talking about season long. Yeah, season long, overvalued. So it's not a big number, but Atlanta's minus three in turnovers. And Wait, two games is pretty big. One and a half a game. And Indy's yeah. plus two. So we, got a, we, so we got only a five turnover differential between these two. But you're right. It's only two games. So what's happening is that Atlanta's played better than their final scores indicate, largely because of the turnovers, and Indy's played worse. And I'm going to make the case for Atlanta. So Matt Ryan missed three touchdown passes. If you don't mind, because I, I, I might forget this. The injuries that Philadelphia suffered, at what point of the game were the key ones? I didn't watch the whole game. It was throughout the game on offense that guys were going in and out starting in the first So clearly Atlanta benefited from the injuries during the game. Yes, and I can make the case that I, although Atlanta won by four and it certainly could have gone either way in the final couple minutes, the reason that this game came down to the final few minutes is because Atlanta just missed wide-open touchdown passes all game long, so it cost them 14 points on, those, on two touchdown bombs and a third wide-open receiver. Matt Ryan underthrew his receiver, and he threw an interception to Darby, so Atlanta could easily have actually won that game comfortably against Philadelphia, and thus I think Atlanta is undervalued. So the other perspective is Matt Ryan is hit the wall. He's missing open receivers, and he's not a, a top ten quarterback anymore. He missed his receivers just by a smidge. He overthrew him by like half a yard. I mean, you do realize that you don't draw. Well, when Peyton Manning had his bad year, he was still like the forty, you know, maybe the thirty fifth best quarterback in the world. 
Sure. So you're not going to, you know, start being like Charlie Sheen in Major League, <laughs> right? Well, Cam Newton has been doing that, but we're getting off subject, don't yep. you think? I mean, he's we think Cam's injured, right? Yeah, yes. So what I'm saying is, I'm not saying I'm agreeing with this, but don't we have to? It just feds. I I think it's so like you you get your narrative. Isn't there another side? It could Matt. What do we know about Matt Ryan that tells us that he hasn't dropped off? It's possible. I know it's possible. I'm saying, have you? We don't. We don't know. I know we don't know. I'm saying, how are you assessing that? You're saying the odds. I mean, I think it's fair to say the odds are. I guess how did he? How crisp did he? You watched the whole game, right? I did. How crisp did he look on his completion? He looked crisp. He looked right, good. That, he just missed some receivers. That's the answer. Yes. I mean, that's what I'm trying to get to, though. Like, we don't – I think we're ready to take it to the next level, guys, because you guys are getting better, both, you know, media presentation, but, you know, your hand, you're getting your efficiencies with your time, with your handicapping. I think the things that we didn't – like, we've always said we're going to be honest. We're not going to, like, say, yeah, great pick, Brad, if we disagree. The green button, take care of that. I think the stuff where there might be a 10% chance something's the case, we quickly explain why we don't think it is. Otherwise, it just feels like uh, something on ESPN that's, like, 30 seconds. When you mm-hmm. need it to be two minutes, but it's 30 seconds because it's TV – we don't have that restriction. Even on the radio, we don't have that restriction. I like the handicap. So this spread says, you know, there's the good chance that it's going to be a close game. And I have legitimate worries about a guy I think has hit the wall, the kicker for Indianapolis, 46-year-old Adam Vinatieri, who's already missed five kicks in two games, including three extra mm. points. That could play a key role in this one. I lean Atlanta. Great point. Lombardi said on the pod he did on Sunday, so right after the games, that he would make, I don't think he used the phrase major bet. He goes, I don't see how Benetari doesn't retire. Yep. Meaning he has he's the greatest of all time, perhaps, most people believe, and, he, and he's really struggling. And it doesn't feel like it's nerves or he's not, you know, he's missing big. Yep. You know, proposition bet. Just occurred to me. I'm sorry, I didn't think of it before. No, this is great. Atlanta longest field goal is so clear because now, Andy. Now how can, many books have that? Um, you know, longest field goal is one that it would be like at a third of the books. That's something that a lot of books put up. Want to give me a dime on that, baby? I'll if get you like you down. the number. I'll get you down. But let me know if you like the number. Yes. Meaning, if if you're batting it, get me down for a dime. It's that Ab- simple. Absolutely. When you when because I won't get a mansion in your yacht, but I'll be on the way. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. And, of course, all the derivatives of if I could get the Indy kicker, Vinatieri, longest field goal under it. But that's much more rare. Yeah, and to me, diversify as much as you can, but have, you have a thou- I want a 1,000 of exposure. Got it. All right, good stuff, guys. Great stuff, Fez. All right, yeah, to me, that's why having a leisurely discussion, a lot, you know, it's not like on the radio we're trying to get through this. Let's think about it a little bit, talk about it. Raiders, Vikings, I might be pressing the green button on this one. I'm confused, Fest. You got a teaser here, but you were contemplating the Vikings as your best bet. Wouldn't this be a like? Yeah, I like the Vikings. So even if you have a teaser, you still want to have the like on it. Yes. You like the Vikings? I do. And my pow- bottom line is my power ratings on this game with home field, this is my biggest disparity. I have Minnesota an 11.5-point favorite based upon my power ratings. 
I thought Minnesota had every chance to beat Green Bay last week. They didn't, so I didn't change their power rating. Whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So really what you're effectively saying is they lost the game. They didn't cover. We had them, so we lost. And you say they, we didn't change the power rating, which means you didn't increase it. Somehow they were going to lose the game, lose the cover, and the thought was either stay put or upgrade? This is the old Fezzik they should have covered. So Except you for, didn't downgrade them? I did not. I kept them where they were at. But, is, but even if I had downgraded you know what's fascinating? them. Man. Compare the Dallas Cowboys in week one to the Vikings against Green Bay. <laughs> now, how much difference do you think in performance that was to you, Brad? Over a point. Uh, significant. Yes, yeah, significant. So, Fez, on Dallas, you did what? Half point upgrade? Week one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what we're talking about, right? Yes. And Minnesota's no move. So, you thought the difference in Dallas against the Giants and Minnesota against Green Bay is a half point? Yeah, I made a bad adjustment on Dallas. Yeah, maybe a bad adjustment on both. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Here's what I know about Mike Zimmer. Uh, you're negative EV betting against him. He's the most profitable coach, even beyond Belichick since 2014. And one of his best roles at home, favorite well, role. Just to be clear, 2014 is when he started. Yes, when so he his started. his career as a head coach. Ne- nearly 65% against the spread since 2014, all games. One of his best roles at home, favorite role, 22-6 and six against the spread here. And I know it's 1995 duct tape shoes handicap. I do have some concerns about an Oakland team that just lost an emotional guy, one of their rookies, Jonathan Abram, one of their star young players. He's on IR. He, but he, wasn't he out? He didn't play last week. No. So we're saying there's going to be a two-week effect. <laughs> yes. Mm, go ahead. I like Minnesota here, minus the eight and a half to get a bounce back win. And I like what I saw. Hey, a lot of teams down 21 nothing early would have waved the white flag. They fought right back and nearly won that game outright last week in Lambeau. And thus no downgrade. <laughs> I would have downgraded them a half. So a that, that crap about the safety from two weeks ago, when you do your normal hits, they just – they all not. Yep, good point. Yeah, no one co- – well, I haven't done the normal hits yet. Yeah, but in general. Yeah, they would. Thank you for calling me out on that. <laughs> Did you know it was BS? Yes. <laughs> Lisa's being honest there. Now, I was ready to press the button. Brad reminded me about Zimmer. I, I, I don't think the Vikings are as good as we think. I mean, I've been acting like they've been like the non-football sexy team. You know, I've been looking to play. Remember, I think you even played them when they went into uh, Foxborough, right, last year? Remember they were getting like three and a half? It was some tiny number. They would have been getting more than three. Look it up. I, I, Brad, look it up, will um, you? That, that, I mean, maybe it was four. So I don't remember if you had it or not. Jets, speaking of this, Jets Patriots. Oh, we went over that. Best bet. Love it. And I got my parlay on that. Dolphins Cowboys. Now, this is the other end of the Quinella here. 21 and a half. And as we said I think on the pod, five teams favored in the last 30 years prior to this week by more than 21 points, two of them this week. Pats, Cowboys, biggest favorite in the history of the NFL, or I'm sorry, the history of the Cowboys. You got the number? Six and a half at home against the Vikings. Was it? Yeah. 
I'd like to see that line move. I think it opened to four. But, no, I'm wrong. Fez. Yeah, I like Miami here. And I'm obviously worried about a team that has performed historically bad in weeks one and two. And I have ranked in my ratings as a historically bad team. How bad? Well, point and a half worse than the worst team that I've had the past five years in the Miami Dolphins. But I look at the Cowboys, and to cover a 21-and-a-half, you've got to have the motivation, I believe, to want to bury a team. And I don't see the Cowboys having that. Just to be clear, you don't need the motivation to cover – to cover more than 52.5% of the time, you need the motivation, right? Yes. You can, have, you can fluke into some cover. Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and one thing that seems to be escaping this line is that Dallas is what's one of the big surprises on the offense. Their number two wide receiver, Gallup, he's been the number one wide receiver. He's been incredibly good, and he's out for this game. He's out for four weeks. So you take away one of the wide receiver weapons for Dallas, and now it's going to make it even more difficult for them to cover a 21 half. How much is he worth? Half a point. Mm. And did you even know his name two weeks ago? No. Colorado State guy, third rounder. So do you really think he's worth a half a point? Yeah, because he's been just, he's just been games. he's just been incredible. For two games. For two games. Here's my question. Because I think I got a pick here. I just want to bounce it off you guys. Fez specifically. I like Brad, but come on. Yeah. What's the doubt? Meaning, if you're taking Dallas, check that. If you're taking the Dolphins, do you think Dallas doesn't get their points? Or do you think the Dolphins score? I think the I think the Cowboys get their points. I think the sure bet here is Dallas's team total over. And here's why. I think that the only way Dallas doesn't score is if they're just flat. And I think a team that is on a – this is where we disagree often, Fez. I agree with you. Teams that are used to being on a roll, the roles don't mean much to them. Dallas is in a – feels like this is a new – you ever have a feeling in your career or your life where, like, you've got a couple good things went your way. It's like I'm in a different – I'm feeling like I'm going to a different level. you felt that before, right? Sure. Did you lose your motivation then, or were you motivated by that upward trajectory? You were motivated. It's when you plateau that oftentimes you get stuck. Yeah. So my question is, Dallas right now is feeling like they're the fourth favorite, right, to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, number four in my power rating as well, yes. When's the last time Dallas was number four in your power ratings? Oh, my goodness. Never? I mean, ne- Never since like, yeah, yeah, never. So this team's on a new level. I think they're going to be – the offense is going to be energized. Now, the defense is going to play as well as they play. But now Miami, if you do believe in them, you think they're going to shut Dallas down or are they just going to put some points up? More likely they put some points up. Yeah, so I either like the over in the game, but I'm more sure of Dallas getting the points. What do you think? Dallas team total. I'm thinking it it probably be – about. it will be 35. 35. So let's do – I mean, let's think about this. So the total is – 47. All right, and we're going to take away 22, right? Just right. to round number it. So 25. So we're going to split it up 12-12. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, probably 34 and a half, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's a big number, ain't it? Wow. But I guess it has to be at these. Yeah, so I don't love it, but if I had to get at this, 
I would get at Dallas, though it obviously goes against you. So I guess the question is, why not go over Miami team total? Because Dallas might put up 55. You know, I like that. Just Miami over the 12, right? Yeah. I mean, because if they don't get the 12, <laughs> I don't like my back, do I? Because I think Dallas gets their points. Yeah, and it, I mean, we I don't agree. know. I mean, what we're saying yeah. is we're doing is it 64, you know. That's interesting. But that's what's great about the NFL. There's liquidity in a lot of these markets. Yes. And Fez, you exploit those. Next game, Giants, Bucks, six and a half. You had your say there, right, Brad? Yep. Giants, Bucks, six and a half. Bucks at home, six and a half. Oof. Fez. Yeah, I lean Giants, and it's all about the change at quarterback providing motivation. I actually have this as a downgrade. I have Daniel Jones being one point worse than Eli, but I actually think the bounce of the Giants in the locker room and, and preparing for the game, let's face it, they know they're dead men walking with Eli. They know that they're going to win four games. They don't know what it's going to be like with Daniel Jones. So with that uncertainty, uh, the certainty of a horrible season removed, at least in for a period of time, I expect a maximum effort from the Giants with the quarterback change. So lean uh, Giants for you. Lean to the Giants plus the six and a half. Yeah, lean Giants for me as well. And to me, it just comes down to can you really trust Jameis Winston and company laying a touchdown here? So first thing that came to my mind, when in the hell has Tampa Bay been a six and a half point favorite? And it's only the second time in seven years Tampa Bay in any game has laid six or more points. Yeah, I agree with you, Fez. I think there is at least a one-game bump with Daniel Jones' first start. Eileen Giants here. And let's face it, Tampa Bay's win against Carolina, hey, it was on Thursday. That's impressive. You're a road team. You go in and you win on a Thursday. And when I watched that game, I really saw a compromised Cam Newton that just could not run the ball at all and was ineffective passing. And I think that's why that Tampa Bay defense looked so good on Thursday night. I'm not believing it that that's the case. So I I stepped out of the restroom. Did we uh, was there an assessment? I heard you on Daniel Jones fast. So you know the thought being, and I think it's important to say, Daniel Jones very well could be better at the end of the year. You're saying inexperience right now. It's a downgrade. Exactly. So short term downgrade. Do you think the Giants? Get energized? I think big time. I think yeah. it's worth so, a lot. So net net though, you think it's a positive? I think it's a slight positive okay. the change, even though I think the quarterback yeah, play is worse. Yes. Yeah, yeah, great point. Um, I had my Eli under eighteen and a half. Boy, on Twitter, I guess people love that. Page. It just felt like you know, it felt like a Wednesday for me or a <laughs> Wednesday. You know, it was like a, <laughs> one of those like you can't imagine. Fez, have you seen that? Of all my the percentage of picks I've had that. You couldn't fathom the game losing after. I've been about 50% on those in my last 10 or 12 picks. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not making many picks on the radio, right or wrong. Right. And what was amazing about this pick is I've never seen a guy sweat out so much week one. RJ's like, Eli, they're going to start him week one, right? We, in other words, we were confident he was going to get replaced by Jones. And then Jones did so well in the preseason. The only way. When did I say anything about The only I way you this. were not going to win your under 18 and a half is if Eli didn't start week Cause would, one. Cause you're, well, you're saying not start any game. Be, oh, the, the caveat he's saying. I'm speaking fast. Oh, go ahead. Because there's a rule in prop bets where if Eli doesn't start week one, you no, it's no bet. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That's what the books do. They yeah. say you, the, the player has to play week one. 
yep. for you to have action on all these prop bets. That's asinine. I didn't even know that. But so I certainly wasn't sweating it. You're saying I should have been sweating. Yeah, it. You should have been. Yeah. Sweating. yeah. Yes. But that makes no sense. I get playing one game. If, but why would it matter if they if they hurt the first week? Because they want to avoid getting destroyed on uh, a player gets injured during a preseason game, and then someone makes a hundred percent bet on that player going under. And they Andrew Luck under. Oh, so instance. you're saying they they're afraid with their limits, like at three or five hundred dollars, <laughs> that someone's going to beat them on an information like the the book, even the the C team won't figure yeah. out. Oh, wait a minute! There's an injury on Eli Manning. I think we should maybe take the Eli Manning props off. That's what they're fearful of? They are. It shows you why Vegas is in the shitters when it comes to sports betting. Because, one, imagine if I had that bet, Eli tweaks his ankle. or uh, I'm sorry, imagine in this case with my bet that Eli tweaks his ankle and he doesn't play week one, but he plays the rest of the year and he has 14 touchdowns. How mad am I going to be? Rightfully so, right? absolutely. Not to mention their business is handled. They're positive EV on all those bets in theory in aggregate that they're canceling in these cases, right? Yeah, I think it's a rule that probably costs them more money. Than well, it certainly them. does right? in any long term, and it's pissing off everybody. Yeah. To what end? Ugh, cockroaches. <laughs> so how well did J- famous Jameis do? Because did you guys discuss Jameis? We did not. Um, Starting I- quarterback of the team favored by six and a half? Yeah. Maybe a, worth a comment. Yeah. So I watched the whole game, and the national media narrative was, oh, Winston played fantastic. Wasn't the Winston I saw. His stats, his underlying stats were decent, not great. They were good. I will use the word good. But he had a couple balls that he threw that absolutely should have been intercepted, including uh, one. Enough, enough. What's enough. the handy? What, what is the – boy, that sounds like how to me is as it breaking down every pass. <laughs> Net net, how did he do? He considered met, expectations. He met expectations as and, my number twenty quarterback. Perfect. And you can give a few details around that, though you have and more. Week one, how did he do? Well below average. Yes. Yes. So through net, through through three interceptions to a team that only had two interceptions the entire year before. Exactly. So what we're saying is on the season, he's disappointed. Yes. And he barely got signed to his fifth year option. Yes. Yep. All right. And they're laying six and a half. So that means one thing. And this is kind of one of those commandments. Teams in the NFL are never as horrible as horrible results. There are no horrible teams. Think even the Browns, when they were bad, they weren't bad. Oh, they were bad, but they weren't like, oh, my God, bad, right? We were batting them pretty much every week. <laughs> As were a lot of the wise guys, yes. And those Browns teams were pretty much rated like 9 or 10 points worse than an average team. That's it, despite going only winning one game in two years. So in this case, the Giants, I mean, what's your power rating saying this game? Uh, power rating makes it exactly 6.5, right on the number. Mm, that surprises me because it strikes me. I mean, this is saying the but. The Bucks are clearly. In fact, the Bucks would be a road favorite. Six and a half. Yeah, one. They'd That's be not one. right. It does. I mean, where's Tampa Bay in your rankings? They're minus two and a half points. No, no, I'm not asking that. Where's the stack? Number twenty one. Oh my gosh! All right, who's twenty two? Denver. I would make my biggest bet of the year on Denver on a neutral plus one hundred five to account for me being one slot down. Who's Right after that. Detroit. 
I would make a major bet. You think you think Tampa's better in Detroit? So you just got a strong. What is it that you like about Tampa? How were they stack ranked? Daniel? I don't like Tampa at all. I'm the guy that didn't even up- upgrade them after they won as a Thursday night underdog. Well then, I don't. Well then, you must have really liked them before because I don't understand. What was their stack ranked win total? You remember? One second. They're they're exactly six and a half. Okay, so win total wise, the stack rank. Yeah, right around twenty sixth. Okay, and they were they were tied with a couple. Yeah. And Fez, you got them twenty one. I which do. Seems like uh oh, Fez is heavy on Tampa, but. Actually, it makes sense. Yeah, because so many teams have had decimated quarterback injuries, including Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, and the Jets. So those teams were. And again, this is, you know, Darnold's out for a limited time, but as of now. As of now, all these teams who were better than Tampa Bay and probably will be better at the end of the year are worse right now. All right. Panthers, Cardinals, Panthers, road favor by two and a half. This might be one of the worst. I'm not. Let's be quick on this because can anyone answer this question? How healthy is Cam? Fez? We don't know. He's not practicing all week and he's game time decision to play. And in fact, there's no line on this game right now. It's and how did he look board. last week? Looked horrendous. Yep. I mean, he's looked horrendous now. I mean, Carolina's lost what, like nine straight? If you go back to last year? No, they won that one game that we against the Saints when Bridgewater played week 17. Okay. Oh, against starting quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, they've lost like nine games, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if we're going to find out Cam retires and we find out that he had a horrible injury we didn't know about. You know, I don't know. Right? Degenerative this or that. I'm just. Spe- I'm not even speculating. I'm saying I think we're in the dark. Yeah. Five carries so far this year, zero yards. And the previous two years, he had averaged thirty and forty yards rushing. Would be nine straight if you take out that Saints game. And again, they won, but it was against a backup quarterback, and the team sat a lot of starters, too. Speaking of the Saints, Saints, Seahawks, Seahawks, four and a half backup quarterback in, but it may not, at least, you know, the coach is saying not just Bridgewater. Fest. Yeah, and the real question is how much Taysom Hill are we going to see? And I got to tell you, Taysom Hill is a problem to prepare for it's a big uncertainty i'm going to pass this game because of it what i saw from Taysom hill during the preseason is that this guy is god in preseason i mean he is just so difficult to stop because he is willing to run the ball and he can throw effectively and frankly has a lot of skills that bridgewater doesn't bring anymore because bridgewater with his health you're not worried about bridgewater running anymore if Taysom hill plays or even if you have to prepare for him that's a big problem and because of that i pass you know what we should do? Let's show them the sausage. We rarely do this, but I'm starting to think about it. Fez, I want you to do like one or two takes of you going Stephen A, but not a high, or I think Stephen A has a high IQ, but let's say a cerebral Stephen A in which you say some variation of, what's this dude's name? Taysom Hill. Taysom? Yeah. With an M. Some variation of, if there's anything I'm sure of, in Fez's words, that Taysom Hill is the best third-string quarterback in the entire NFL.
Because you said that on SOV. Right? Taysom Hill undoubtedly is the best quarterback in the NFL. If you need to cash a ticket in preseason, RJ, you bet on Taysom Hill unless you're me and you did that week four against Miami. And then you watch Taysom Hill drive his team down the field in position to win and cover your final preseason bet. And then he gets it first and goal on the five. And all of a sudden, the only time Taysom Hill has ever seemingly failed in the red zone was when I bet big on him. The funny part is at the beginning, he sounded like William Shatner. He was going, if I could know one thing. There's no chance you could do like a natural, just like not a big rant like that. But rather, if I know like some proclamation about like something big is coming, like listen up because I'm only going to say this once. Something like that. Hold on. You don't get any closer to the mic when you scream, actually. It's probably when you was when you're back up. <laughs> Let me get closer. Ah, you know, start screaming in the mic. Is something like <laughs> something like, I'm only gonna say this once. Taysom Hill is the best third string quarterback in the entire NFL. You can bet that. Something like that. I'm only gonna say this once. Taysom Hill is the greatest third string quarterback in the history. Yes, the history. Of the NFL. All you right. can bet on that. <laughs> ah, so, Sleep, you'll be able to pull out when I was talking over him there, too. See, we're just getting it all going on, baby. I recorded that one, too. Oh, oh. <laughs> good stuff, man. All right, Brad, what do you think? I'm willing to bet you on that, Fez. So, uh, let's make a bet here. If Taysom Hill plays, I'll take Seattle. You take New Orleans. Sound good? At oh, the so current- you're saying that it's a conditional bet. Yep. But he's saying the best third string quarterback. He's not saying that he's an elite quarterback. Oh, okay. Right? Right. All right. Fair enough. I know it's hard. I wanted to, to get a bet. <laughs> well, I mean, it's easy. All I... right. We'll see if you guys want to fade me on this one because you got some strong opinions on Seattle. I like Seattle in this game. And here's what I don't understand. Help me understand with this line. I, I mean, I get it. There's a chance that Seattle's, even though they're 2-0, they could be average. They could be even below average team. But this is a Seattle team playing at home. We can all agree one of the best home field advantages in the National Football League, especially at this line. You go back to 2010, the start of the Pete Carroll era here. Anytime Seattle is laying, isn't laying more than six points, they're 28-10 and 10 against the spread as a small favorite, six points or less, or a dog. And these two teams, with whether it's Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater, are expected to be almost even. I'm not buying it. Give me the Seahawks minus the points. Like, I think the market's telling me they agree with me in that that Seattle is no good. Yep. Or it's a love of Bridgewater, and and again, I personally think Bridgewater. And we talked about this on SOV. If you look after his first preseason back after his injury, his yards per attempt, especially, he is not looking downfield. We had a big bet on him, Fez, week 17. That Carolina game we were just referencing, horrible. Never close. And if you're having a quarterback in waiting, they took that game very seriously. I think Bridgewater, and I think this Taysom Hill, it could be a Fugazi, or it could be their, you know, Bridgewater's not what we, you know, isn't as good as maybe perception is. Though you think he would have taken that Miami starting job, which yeah. they offered him. Or maybe mm-hmm. he's so bad off he didn't even want to get exposed yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's curious. We got two games left. Rams, Browns, Rams on the road, favored by three. Brad, you like this game. I do. I like. Give me the Rams minus the three for me. And 
Here's a, a, an issue that I have with the Cleveland Browns. RJ mentioned this on Straight Out of Vegas. I listen, RJ, intently to what you're saying. Cleveland penalty issues. Not only the first game with 18, but even last uh, Monday night against the Jets, nine penalties, 27 penalties, two games. Affected them and impacted them one game against a good team. Eh, it didn't matter against a lousy Jets team. I think it will in a tight game. The undisciplined Browns is going to cost them. And if there's anything with the Rams that they've done really well under Sean McVay, they bring it on the road. Last two-plus seasons on the road, 15-3 and three straight up, and the average cover, ATS, by 5.5 points per game. I'll take the Rams that have been there, done that, in a primetime game over the Browns, L.A. Rams. I like it. Well, you hear the music in the background, and here's why. I made a commitment. Dave Esler lives in Florida. He has as many wins, as many net units, as much profit for his followers as anyone at pregame.com, Fez included. This guy, not always the obvious duct tape shoe type stuff that Fez loves, but he wins. <laughs> so I've made a commitment. He's going to make one best bet in each of the pod, the college pod and the NFL pod. And whenever someone bucks him, I'm backing Dave with the bet. Auto bet. I don't care if I like it or not. Dave Esler. Let's listen to Dave because he happens to have the Cleveland Browns. Sunday night football going out on a limb here. Browns plus three over the Rams. Now that the hype over the Browns has cooled, maybe it's time to play on Cleveland. If travel's a factor, this is the second time in two weeks the Rams have flown to the East Coast. And being a primetime game, I think that magnifies Cleveland's home field advantage. Interesting golf stat here. Last season at home, 22 TDs, three interceptions. On the road, 10 TDs, nine picks, with a rating over 30 points less. Rams are 2-0, but they beat a breezeless Saints team. And in week one, Carolina beat Carolina more than the Rams beat Carolina. Goff only threw for 183 yards. Their offense is 19th in yards per play. I think early betters are pointing to the Browns' short rest here. Cleveland's first game against the Titans, eh, Certainly Monday Night Football, and but this is a must-win game for Cleveland. Next two games at the Ravens, at the 49ers. So again, I think the Browns' preseason hype was overstated. Now maybe the Browns are undervalued. Love the primetime home underdog to cash a ticket. Brad, I tell you, it's hard to dispute. You don't, I mean, maybe a difference of opinion, but it's hard to say he's wrong. Yeah. You think he's wrong. Can't yep. prove it. He wins. That's all he does. Hmm. That's me, baby. Fez, what are you thinking? Give us a, I know you like the total. Give us an opinion on the side. Yeah, I'm going to lean to Cleveland. And I think it's all about the Rams have looked good, but wait a minute. You want to jump in with us? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Love it. Let's, let's look at the 2-0 Rams. Well, they beat Cam Newton. Well, Cam, mm. hmm, rocky, rocky quarterback play. And then they got to go up against Bridgewater and the Saints. So all of a sudden, that 2-0 start it's pretty quarterback-driven, it appears to me. Maybe the Rams, a, a tad overrated. I could only look to the Browns. How much have you upgraded the Rams? Let's take a look here, RJ. I believe half a point. And what's your power rating say on this game? Power ratings make this game, ooh, big power rating difference. Rams are only a half-point favorite. Mm. And you don't buck your power ratings. I, you know, rarely. I rarely buck my power ratings. I think that the Monday night game, it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. The Rams won. Oh, I'm sorry. Check that. Cleveland won. 
And people, you know, we were joking about calling. People came away saying they were somehow they disappointed. Jimmy Vaccaro said that when they flashed seven, maybe flashes, you know, when they put up seven, the wise guys were fighting to get, bet the seven minus one ten. Is that what you saw? Yes. So the the you know the sharpest betters in the world said, "Give me seven and give me the Jets." Cleveland won by how many? Twenty. And it's it's a disappointment. <laughs> Like somehow, like this, they look good on Monday night. Won't isn't built into this number. And RJ, if you were live wagering this game, and I feel I can speak for the country here, if you were watching this game, you won live wagering because all you were doing was betting on Cleveland. It was clear the entire game that Cleveland was dominating this game. And it's fascinating if you look at the Rams right now, the way Cam Newton's played this year. Is he even the 32nd best court? Meaning the backup's better than him right now, right? Yeah. In fact, I got a stat for you. So, and and I, I can't reference where this is from, but someone kept a stat on passes. Someone thrown. somewhere at some point. Yes. I will, I, will, I will look it up for you. It's um, a pass that you throw. What percentage of your passes can, cannot be completed? There's 0% chance the receiver can catch it. Cam Newton is at 32%. So think about this. 32% of his passes, his receivers can't even touch. I saw it on the herd. Uncatchable passes. He's by far has the highest in the league. All right. And then what kind of assessment would we make of the Saints backup, Bridgewater? Well, we think that Bridgewater is overrated. The national media. I mean, the, the way that he played. Let's be more specific. Oh, yeah. The way he played against the Rams. <laughs> yeah, he was not throwing the ball downfield. He did not look comfortable. So not a top 32 quarterback. God, no. So literally, the Rams haven't taken a snap, or I guess one quarter. And Breeze didn't play. Now you could say that's the Rams. I say, mm, okay, maybe. All right. So to me, this Rams team, I'm not saying they didn't come in the way they came into the year, but I don't think they've proven anything yet. Correct. And they correct. Yeah. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fez, the professor, grading the papers. Brad, you want to buy out? How much is the bet? I, I actually it came across my mind. Well, what's the bet? Let's be what's clear. We don't have any set buyout the, price. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, now that you were going, you gave it away right there. What's the negotiation? I'll take 50%. No. I'm good. Baz, what do you take? You offering him any buyout? No buyout. Oh, he's, he's so sure. Good luck. We'll talk about it maybe yeah. during the uh, yeah, rest we got of the week. Some time. By the way, guys, last game. Oh, I do like the under in this game as well. Oh, go ahead. Give a quick handicap. Yeah, so if I just look at the underlying stats last year, the Rams, 6.4 yards per play. They're giving up six. Well, this year, their defense has only given up 4.9 yards per play. Oh, that could be because their defense is better. Could be just because of bad quarterback play. But their offense is only gaining five and a half yards. So all the numbers on Rams are depressed this year versus last year. And I think that this total is being more set like a Rams game last year than this year, especially because I don't like what I'm seeing from Baker Mayfield at all in terms of his performance. You know you just made a bet on the Browns. I know, I did. Can't have you know. There's a side to there's a two sides to every game, but I like the under forty nine. So explain to me this this Baker Mayfield uh, disdain because Colin obviously has been leading the way with it. Like you say, I don't like what I've seen so far. It, it, give me the numbers. I don't have numbers. I have eye test just from watching them. And uh, how many snaps did you watch? Did you watch the whole Monday night game? I did. All right, that's fair. And how much did you watch them against Tennessee? Think about that. I not not very much at all, other than the three interceptions he threw in the fourth quarter. 
when they were losing. Yes. So, you know, by whatever, 20-something. Brad, you got anything? Two touchdowns, four interceptions, and that's not great. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, but it, I guess what I'm saying is if you look at his stats last year, they were great. Some people made the case that they weren't. Like somehow the stats didn't matter. Now the stats matter. It seems like people yeah, want, true. It seems like no matter what, they want Baker to fair, not be good. Fair enough. And even the stats are confusing. I'm not saying he's good. I'm just saying it just seems weird. And they, when you throw a slant to Odell Beckham and he takes it for 80 yards to the house, you know, how – um, is that unsustainable, or are we going to expect that might happen all year long? It's hard to say. Well, Odell Beckham's one of the top five receivers in football, right? Yes. So they make plays often. They do. Yeah. I, let's not bury the lead. I think you got a good drop from Fez. I don't have the stats. I have the eye test. <laughs> he did say Mark that. It. <laughs> I think he's getting punch drunk. All right, last thing, guys, before the last game. This is big. And just backing up a second. People think, wait, you, we're getting all these opinions. The thing about buying Brad and Fez, even for the week, even for their package, you're getting their picks from the beginning, from A to Z. Some of it's early, beating the move. Some of it's normal, let's say Thursday. Some of it, game day. It's based on the line move. So, like, you're partners with them. You're betting every game. If you choose, it's your choice, with them. Here, it's one snapshot in time. We're giving our very best opinion. We even saw where there was a line move as we're talking. It could have changed. You know. So I promise you, we're holding nothing back here. You can tell. But having it from A to Z, huge difference. When you agree, Fess? Yeah, and remember, a lot of these prop bets, we're just um, speculating about what the numbers are going to be I mean, on these props things. are one of your strong suits. Yeah, so on Sunday night and Monday night, it's very rare there's not going to be at least an opinion, if not an official play or two or three on that I'm going to give on out. On average, Sunday night, Monday night combined, how many bets do you have on props? I would say one per game is, so is two, average. Two, and, and your props are winning over the years at a high, high rate. Yes. Okay. Bears, Redskins, Bears on the road with Mitchell Trubisky favored by four you got to lean to Chicago first. Yeah, I'm going to lean to Chicago for a couple of reasons, RJ. One being, let's talk home field advantage. The Redskins have a sneaky bad home field advantage. Remember in RFK when that was a big edge for them? Well, their new stadium's kind of antiseptic. It's not very loud. And for whatever reason, that home field advantage hasn't been there. And I saw the game against the Cowboys. And Washington, that crowd was half Dallas Cowboy fans, at least. And I expect the Bears travel well. Their fans are all over the country. I expect that that home field, especially because it's a Monday night game, is not going to be nearly what you would expect for a normal Monday night home dog. Second reason, two major concerns for the Bears. What do the Bears players worry about? Mitch Trubisky, can't trust him, can't trust our kicking game. Well, they just won a game where Mitch Trubisky drove them the length of the field with the game on the line, and... Then Panero kicked a 51-yard game winner. I think that that gives all the Bears players a bounce to their step. That They're like, we're not cursed with this uh, quarterback we can't trust and a kicker we can't trust. I'll lean Bears. Whenever I have a road favorite, Fez, and, and right around, ah, oh, looks you know, somewhat reasonable, minus four, I always do the home-away flip here. So, you know, and you said, hey, Washington doesn't have a full three points of home field advantage. But let's just say, in my example, they do, and the Bears do as well. Would you really want to lay 10 points with the Chicago team if they were sitting at home against Washington? I wouldn't. I would lean with Washington here, plus the four. We appreciate the support. Great show. This has been a long one. 
A lot of passion from these boys. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.